Good evening and welcome to Night Colors Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith. And tonight we're going to be chatting with Patrick Vaughn, who is a bushcrafter and a Bigfoot researcher, among many other things. But before we get into it, I would like to ask that you show some love for that hardworking Night Colors team by hitting that thumbs up on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. And don't forget to subscribe and ring that notification bell for new uh, updates on new content and on whatever I have coming out for the show. Also, you guys can now go to www.nightcollarsproductions.com and see everything I'm working on, all my projects under one place. Um, and there's plenty of new ways to enjoy the content there. Um, I have a lot of great new things coming and you guys definitely don't want to miss out. So I am going to just jump into it and bring Patrick on. How are you doing tonight, Patrick? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. We had a little technical difficulty at there at the beginning. I don't know if you saw me freaking out over here. <laughs> yeah, he noticed. You saw. Um, thank you for working with me on that. So <laughs> Patrick has obliged. He's coming on tonight. And since it's Valentine's Day, we are going to talk about Bigfoot erotica. So I'm really excited to get into that. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm joking. I would I would not subject you to that um <clears throat> although that is a thing literally didn't know that was a thing until recently um okay so patrick how did you get started in survival and bushcraft and all of that <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> listen i'm being serious now <laughs> i'm trying i'm trying oh uh, okay um I warned you. <laughs> well, I'm turning a little red, huh? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Uh. Well, primitive survival just kind of came natural for me. Uh, growing up, you know, a lot of what I killed and what we raised was food. You know, we had one big chest freezer, and mm -hmm. and what I, what we killed and raised went into it. And that's what we ate out of, and so. Uh, you know, it, you know, hunting, just hunting and killing just came natural. You know, it was something you had to do. And, uh, and, uh, you know, a, a few years just working, you know, all work and no play is, you know, no fun. And so, uh, you know, I, I really got bored into mod about modern hunting, you know, I got mm -hmm. bored with it and I wanted to get into the more primitive firearms type uh hunting situations and i right. ran into i ran into someone that was in a group oh. and and i got invited out and uh I, I joined up you know you can't ask to join you out a few times and then uh if they like you if you if you are showing you know interest and 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 putting effort into learning the skill sets then they'll sign you up for you know a two-year trial and you have X amount of uh, skill sets to learn in that, you know, time frame. And if you do that, you, you're in. If you don't, you're out, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it was just, it was just a blast to me. I, I loved it, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it expanded my wild, you know, my wilderness experiences. I got to go to places all over the country, you know, canoeing or, or you know, packing in hunting or jumping and partying you know yeah uh learning <laughs> uh, you know 
and I, you know, I'm a third generation tracker. My grandfather was a tracker and woodsman, and my father was a tracker and woodsman, and I just didn't have a choice in it. But, but, but hunting, you know, and primitive life skills was was just fun to me. Yeah. And I run and I run into something that wasn't supposed to be there doing that. So you so you're a third generation tracker, primitive living skills instructor. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously out in nature and that's just what you do. So you know, that being out there that often, so how old were you when you had this experience that kind of changed things for you? Thirty. I was thirty years old. So pretty much 30 years of being in the woods before you saw something yeah. that, so at that point, and I'll let you get into what happened, but at that point, did it make you rethink every, a bunch of weird things that had happened before that you had heard before anything like that? One, there was mm-hmm. one time that, you know, you know, most of this subject you learn retrospect, some of it you can experience and and discern that right then but the rest of it's all retrospect and when you start thinking about the knocks that you've heard i remember being 12 years old on the back side of a lake back in the swamp way back there alone you know Mm -hmm. and hearing three knocks across that swamp on a cold morning you know knock 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 you know just 100 yards out across that swamp knock 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 and so i realized at i guess 31 years old i realized that back then I had one looking at me and giving me a three knock warning in that area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they've been there this whole time. Right. And uh, I never want them to be, you know, Yeah. I, I was never an advocate for their, for their existence. So, I mean, okay. So what happened at 30 that. Um, I'm, I, I, did, I, I do my due diligence tracking and find the best place to go and mm-hmm. set up. And it's about, it was about a mile in, and there was two great confluences of, deer, of game run and deer trail come there. And I, I set a, a climbing stand up in there. And I, you know, I come across a Bigfoot. Okay. Uh, she come moving, come through the woods. But I didn't know at that time what it was. You know, she, you know, she busted me when I was in that deer stand and took off running through the brush. And I heard whack, 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 as it was running away. And uh, as I was leaving that evening, you know, the sun was on the horizon. And she, she came up, circled around and got beside me and was paralleling me out of the woods up to this dim road. And once I hit, you know, I saw what it was and, uh, and it's, it's not anything that's supposed to have been there. You know, mm-hmm. I took a half, you know, I would take, you know, I would take a couple of steps and she'd jump and I couldn't catch her. Take a couple of steps, jump, she couldn't catch her. And finally I took a half a step and I looked and there she is in mid flight coming from one tree, coming from one tree in midair with her right, her right is stretched out. Her left leg is slightly bent behind her. She's looking where she's going to land at, and you can see the hair on her face. You can see her jawbone. You can see her breasts. You can see her muscular, all her muscular uh, features of her body, her leg especially. Mm-hmm. And she, when she hit the ground, she hit the ground and she bounced. 
and she as she bounced and, and it really softened her landing pretty quietly she bounced and as she bounced the hair on 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 this shoulder flew up kind of bounced up like this and you see that you can see the sun playing in the hairs mm -hmm. you see the, you can see the split ends on her hairs that were blondish color you know she's a dark dark orange red and all this uh, on the very end is split and almost blondish color in the sunlight it comes up kind of down and goes behind that tree you know there's a, and yeah and it and that was a shock that's not supposed to be there and uh yeah and she chased me for a mile out of those woods you know that's that's crazy okay first question did she look like she squatch um you almost put me on the spot like that, didn't you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I, I'm like picturing Tanya Knight running through the woods in a she-squatch costume. I need to know. Uh, well, I guess Tanya Knight with a dark reddish, you know, hair on her. Okay. And uh, was maybe she... a couple inches taller. Okay. Was she as well endowed as she-squatch? I've never studied she-squatch. Um, Your nose is um, growing, Pinocchio. Everybody studies cheese squatch. <clears throat> um, uh, the one that I saw in the woods had very nice had C cup. They were about a C cup. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea what I have no idea what what she squatch is. This is why I chose but, you for the Valentine's Day episode. Oh. Uh, uh -huh. And uh, and uh, yeah, just a you know she was six foot one two okay. uh strapping muscular body very nice build very fast very mm -hmm. quiet and a lot of attitude so do you think i mean with her having lighter ends i mean that just lends to her camo it's a lot like foliage darker towards the middle lighter towards the ends um well just her her natural ability to stay to the brush mm -hmm. you know i was trying to catch her and couldn't I had to, I had to take a step and throw her off of her sequence of stalking. Yeah. You know, cause I understand stalking. And so I, I, I used against her what I would use against myself to, 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 you know, to, to, to screw up the stalk. Right. And, and, and there she is. And, and I cannot get the image out of my head. It's burnt there. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and this plays in a movie like my head. I can, I can literally play this movie and see everything about it and it's, it's not a it's not a something i enjoy right you know it's yeah. it's something that's disturbing yeah something that's not and, supposed to be there well yeah you know i'm the biggest bad thing in the woods i thought <laughs> you not. thought you thought wrong yeah um i think it's interesting that it was a female um stalking you you know i do find that interesting well it, i found it disturbing on all levels I know. I know. Um, so you didn't, I mean, she was stalking you. She's chasing after you basically. And I mean, she wasn't making the noise that a human would make through the woods. Right. Um, you, you, now you understand their overconfidence is about their own weakness mm -hmm. and, and their lack of confidence in ours is, you know, doubles that weakness. And so she doesn't know I know she's there. She does. She wasn't looking at me when she jumped, so she doesn't know I know she's there. 
Yeah. But so she's in behind the brush and she's thinking that she has me on surprise, but I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm a little better in the woods than that. Yeah. So she stalks me all the way to this dim road and she, she has the, the, the mathematical equation worked out in her head where we're going to be like this. And when I turn, we intersect. Well, when I get to that road, I jump out and I'm gone. Well, as she runs out the road, she scuffs her feet on the ground like a kid doesn't get her way. Kicks pine straw and dust everywhere looking at me. And you watched okay. it? or Yeah, I turned around as I was running. And you know, when she, I heard her come running up to the, to the damn road. You know, where she was 15 yards to my left. So I jumped out, took off running. I passed that intersection point and made it about another 15 yards when she come running out. And looked at me. She was, she's 15 yards behind me on the mm -hmm. side of the of this dim road. And I, I look back, and she she scuffs her feet, kicking up dust and pine straw, and looks at me like, you know, well now I'm terrified. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, and I ha I have a weapon with me, but I don't want to kill her. So right. I swap I, I swap hands, and I take off running, and I'm running like an Olympic runner. You know. Yeah. And 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 she catches me. Do 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 do. And so she's 12 feet off of my left side, the brush line of this road, side by side, running with me for a mile. That's okay. insane. Yeah. So uh, the wives' tale and the myth chased me out of the woods. Wasn't supposed to be there. No. So and, uh, what made you turn around? Was it just you didn't want to give her your back or you just had to have another look? or? I, I was listening to her feet. Okay, I'm listening to her feet move in the brush and in the leaves. And her feet got very rapid as she charged up that last few yards. You know, mm -hmm. after I jumped out and I made it past the intersection point, she charges forward. I hear her feet doo -doo -doo -doo, all the way to the edge of that road. And, and I look back to see if I was going to need to turn around and fire. Okay. And so I turned around, I look, and she stops at the edge, at the edge of that damn road. And, and she's looking like this at me. And she scuffs her feet on the ground and I see pine straw kick up and dust. And I said, well, I'm just going to keep running except faster, yeah. you know? And so delight on it. yeah, so I, 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 I run, I take off running and she catches me and that now she's beside me. And the only thing kept me from spinning firing is that she stayed in, inside that brush line on the edge mm -hmm. of that road. If she had come out in that road, I don't know if I'd be sitting here, but there, there definitely be at least one dead body there. Yeah. And, uh, but she didn't, she stayed in the brush line all the way until about, you know, maybe 50 yards before my trailhead, the, the brush starts peeling away and she follows that brush all the way around. And I passed within front of her, within 10 yards in front of her as I passed that trailhead and, and jumped out to a bar ditch where my truck was parked. There's so, so many questions. That is, that is probably one of the most intense encounters I've ever heard. Um, I mean, just in sheer fright factor alone. Um, not to mention that, you know, I mean, so did, okay. So first question, had you heard of Bigfoot? Like, or did you think, you know, Bigfoot was even, was even on your radar at this point? As a kid, uh, I spent time in the library, and they had books on Bigfoot, mm -hmm. and I read them. I read every one of them. Really? And okay. I, I threw I threw them down. I said it's hogwash. Yeah. 
you know, and I asked my, I even asked my father, I said, what, what is up with this? What is this subject? He said, it's a wives tale. It's something that, you know, people tell little boys to scare them. Okay. I said, okay. And I dismissed it, mm-hmm. you know? And so when I get in my truck after this wife's tail chases me down the road for a mile, <laughs> I get in my truck, I'm, I'm straightening the curves out, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I said, oh, I start laughing at myself. There's no way that happened. And I'm like, I, I said, okay, I, I, it must have, someone must have spiked my drink that I had. And I threw the drink down to the floorboard and kept going. And, uh, that bothered me for a couple of years and, uh, I had to repress it. I had to repress that. Well, yeah. Uh, so uh, there's so many, there's a lot of questions from the chat that we'll get to. Um, do you think that she intended to grab you? Um, looking back at that time, at that time, it terrified me. You know, what was in her head looking back, and as, as many as I tracked, I really think she was alone in that area for a long time and she was needing mm-hmm. some kind of attention. You know, mm-hmm. she, she wanted some kind of interaction with someone, you know, because they crave that. They are extremely social beings. Um, I think you answered this one. Do the females overall look feminine or do the sexes look about the same? And I think you answered that. You said she looked pretty feminine. You could tell it was a female, obviously. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you Did you think Bigfoot immediately or primate? Or was she human looking in the face? That's definitely something I wanted to know was like, you saw her face. Was she mm-hmm. more human looking? And was that also a reason that you didn't pull your gun and fire? She had my nose. Okay. Okay. So a smaller nose. Okay. She had my nose. Hairy. Hairy face my nose intelligent eyes okay. mm-hmm. they are they are intelligent beings they're not primates they are just primitive beings mm-hmm. okay um yeah and, and, and their eyes are, are reflective their eyes gather light and they have great eyesight in the day and even better at night right and their eyes pull in light ways we can't we can't perceive and use that as night vision. Yeah. Yeah. I believe honestly that they're kind of the ultimate predator really because they're a sentient being, but they're also more animalistic than we are in the sense that, you know, they have heightened senses and they haven't had their senses dulled by technology and everything like we have. Well, Mm -hmm. normal, the rest of us, not you because you do. Um, your primitive stuff all the time. And and so Patrick, the thing about Patrick that's really awesome is that um, he does bushcrafting and, and um, primitive living skills and all of that. So when he does all of that, he goes back to basics. He goes out into nature without the fancy um, equipment that the rest of us use to, you know, off grid it. So um, he lives like a squatch pretty much. <laughs> um, all right, let me ask, hold on. There's more. So do you think she actually intended to grab you? You said, no, not really. Um, I made a joke about Bigfoot erotica, and I feel like this show could have gone there had she grabbed you. Um, (laughs) So, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Thank you, Mom. Well, I don't kiss until. 
Oh, she, oh you don't kiss and tell. <laughs> That's for the, the members only episode, you guys. You'll have to buy a membership to hear that one. Okay. Um, Bigfoot Club wants to know, did she give off a smell at all? Was there any smell or were you just too freaked out to even notice? Um, I didn't notice a smell at that time. Uh, I have smelt her son that mm. I've tracked up there. Okay. And what did that smell like? Was it? It's a very musky body odor smell. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's a clean smell. I, I didn't smell anything rotten. I didn't smell anything bad. Mm -hmm. It's just animalistic, musky body odor. Okay. You know? okay. There was, there was a comment and I'm just gonna, <laughs> um, <What? laughs> um, I don't know how to say it. the Etaroa Sasquatch commented. There's always time for Shushu. <laughs> this is not going to be a monetized video. I can already tell you. Um, okay. No smell. Um, somebody commented on your dimples. <laughs> um, when you looked in her eyes, what color were her irises? Were, were her eyes like a black or dark? Her eyes were reflecting the sun because she was facing the sun. You know, when she passed, when I got a good look at her, she passed between me and the sun. But I wasn't looking. I couldn't see her eyes. But when I passed her at that trailhead and I looked dead in her eyes, the sun was on this side and was shining right in her eyes. So I saw the sun reflecting in her eyes. Okay. And so that's just what I took from it. Mm -hmm. Now I have had uh, experiences. I've had, uh, you know, eight face to faces, and uh, I've seen red eye shine, which I took as it was collecting the light waves that were naturally in the air that I, uh, you know, in the atmosphere that I couldn't perceive, and that's what what they were reflecting. I've seen the uh, white eye, eye shine because my light wasn't as powerful enough and it just reflected off its eyes. I've seen the closest I got and I shined it at six feet in the eyes with a, with a spotlight, mm -hmm. uh, August 3rd of, of this, of last year. Of last year. Okay. Wow. Um, the pupils were green. The irises were amber. And about eight to 10 millimeters past the iris was another reflector. It was a star shaped starburst reflector that was amber also. Mm -hmm. And I saw that at six feet with a cubing. I've, I've, I've heard a lot of people um, give um, scientific based evidence based on their eyes and the cone shapes and all of that. So that actually, um, that actually makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, I, I believe that, like I said, I think they are the apex predator out there. And I think they have superior senses, eyesight being one of them, but I believe smell. Um, I believe that when you walk into the woods, besides the fact that your body language changes when you're carrying a gun, which I carry in the woods, I'm, I'm not stupid, but um, besides the fact that your body language changes, I, I believe they can smell the oil that you use to clean your gun. I believe mm -hmm. they can smell you. They can smell your cologne, your body wash, you know, everything that hunters try to mask. Um, I believe they can smell past all of that. Um, I've had them come in with me carrying a sidearm 
Oh, yeah. But my, my holster is camouflage and my coals are camouflage and and it's not a, a, a it's not a profound thing that I'm toting around. I you know, mm -hmm. they really watch they really watch your hands. Mm -hmm. You know, if you don't have a long weapon and your hands are empty, mm -hmm. you're, you're, you know, they'll come, you know, they'll come around and look around at you. Yeah. You know, um, my most mostly my go to is my knife. You know, that's my most carried weapon right there. Right. You know. Mm -hmm. and and they don't mind that but if it's you have something in your hand you know you you can't just walk into them with something in your hand i've tried uh you can't i can't get i personally as with my skill set can't get within a within 400 yards of them and have them not know i'm there so my hands have to be empty and i have to slow my pace down and stop and then let them decide if they're going to come in and circle around and whoop at me or what, mm -hmm. you know, and if I don't have anything in my hands, I have a lot better chance at that. Yeah. You have a lot more success. Mm -hmm. um, I have some quick follow-up questions on the female sighting. Um, do you think that she was trying to protect, trying to keep you from a young one or protect a youngin? She was young herself. She wasn't full grown then. She was six foot two. Now she's uh, a foot, um, uh, probably a foot and a half taller than that now. So okay. she okay, was she was equivalent to a 17 year old girl, 16 or 17 year old girl back then. Okay. And her gait, whenever she was leaping, um, was it smooth or was it choppy? Did she like take a step and I mean, just glide? Um, walking smooth, smooth as silk, but running she was very choppy when she, when she was running beside me, it's like she's stomping the ground, do, 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 you know, as she's running. She was trying to gain speed. Um, speed. Her, her feet hit the ground twice as fast as mine did. I was running smoothly and, and fast, but her feet was hitting the ground twice as fast as mine and mm -hmm. was way faster than me. So, do you think she was running flat out or do you think she was just kind of loping beside you? Oh, she, no, she wasn't nowhere near high speed. Man. Uh, um, you know, in my second encounter, that one that chased me down in my truck, I was doing mm -hmm. 40. All right. So go ahead and tell us about that one, if you don't mind. Um, okay. I'm in central Louisiana. My, well, you know, on a deer lease. And my son, actually, I paid for my son to, to hunt there. I'm just guiding him. And he wanted to hunt that morning. And it was, it was so far away, we could only, you know, I, I'm only driving down there two weekends out of a month. And we're going to do a Saturday morning, Saturday evening, Sunday morning hunt and drive back. Well, you know, he wakes up, his stomach's upset. And I tell him we don't need to go. He begs me to take him. So I give him some Imodium and some medicines. We get in the truck. We drive down, you know, two, two, two and a half hour drive down there. And uh, we get, uh, you know, we get a... a where we got to cut across this uh, national forest down there and it's Kasachi national forest. Mm -hmm. And we have to cut across down this parish road. Well, his stomach's upset. He has to jump out in the bar ditch and do his little business. <laughs> well, he does that. He does that going down this road several times. And well, the last two miles, he's good. We're booking 40 mile an hour across this, you know, down this parish road, to get to the deer lease gate. And we mm -hmm. stop with my windows down and you can, I can hear something running in the woods out there. Choo, 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 you know, 
Well, then I didn't think anything about him. You know, he, he drove through, shut the gate, went on down. I put him in his deer stand. As I stopped, as soon as I stopped the truck, I hear this running in the woods. You know, and I think, no big deal. Yeah. I get out, I get him in the deer stand, I lock him, you know, I shut the door on him. He's in there armed with a weapon. He's in his, you know, the, the, the box stands were on the ground because our first weekends were donated to uh, Hunters on Wheels. And you had to have, you know, box stands on the ground for that. And so I put him in a stand. I get in my truck. I drive. I hang a left, go down this right away for another quarter mile. And I park my truck. I get out of my truck. I click my pin light on. And what was running at the gate and what was running at the woods came running up to my truck and started stalking me down the, uh, the wood line. And I'm like, what is that, you know? So I just turn, I keep walking, and I do this a couple of times, and finally it dawns on me, this is the same situation I was in just six years prior to this. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm, I, there's no way this is happening again. This is a stupid problem to have, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so I take off walking, and I'd shine trying to catch it, and I couldn't catch it. So finally, I, 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 instead of stopping and shining, I shined high and then turned around and stopped. And when I shined high with my pin light, I blinded him. He hit his head on a tree you know he stepped on a stick the stick broke he went head first into a tree the the tree had a limb right there that came out into the right away and all the mist that had been on that uh on the leaves on the end of that tree shook off into the right away next to my boot Man. okay so i'm standing there in the right away with this rain running they run of uh, coming off this, this this green foliage off his limb hit right here beside me three foot off my boot and I'm looking at this guy and he's he's eight feet tall and he and I've got his eye shine in my in my pin light. And I mm -hmm. said, OK, OK, this it didn't happen the first time. There's no way this is happening this time. And so I pinched myself and I twist and I pull high and I pull hair and I open my eyes back up and he's still standing there. He's still there. I said, OK, you know, I can't go back this way little boys this way so whatever it is and and you know and i kind of i kind of got aggressive i said well you know if i have to i'm gonna kill this thing yeah but it's this it's the block of woods it's in is gonna come come to 100 yards down there and and it's it can stalk me all the way to there and when it steps out i'm just gonna shoot it and so you know I make it all the way down. I'm on 360 pivot. My head's on a pivot. I got my 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 flashlight in his eyes with my weapon pointed at him, uh, and I pass the point of that block of woods, that corner there, and I go past that corner about 30 yards, and I get set up. You know, I'm shouldered, safety off, ready to rock and roll, step out or go away, and it scuffs his feet. You can I hear him scuff his feet on the ground and turn and doo -doo -doo -doo, he's gone down that right down that wood line inside the wood line away from me. Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh, thank God. Yeah. And I hit my pig trail. I start going down to where my stand is about another eight, 85 yards down there. My, my box stands on the ground. I get to it and I get to it and the doors course is off its hinges and I've been needing to fix it and I have it. And, uh, so, you know, I pull the door, Around, you know, and cover the hole and just lean it up where there's a gap at the bottom and it's touching at the top. And I unfold my chair, sit down, click my light off. And I'm, I said, I'm safe. Mm -hmm. And it beat me there. It was 35 yards off of my door in the woods and it's pitch black 
and I don't have a light on and I have a, I have a weapon in my hand and I'm sitting in my stand. And I'm listening to this thing, take a step and it's, and his feet are moving oh so slowly. And it's, and it's just, and I'm mapping it out as it's stepping in the dark, you know, it makes a step and you can hear the leaves crunch and then the weight, full weight, you know, hit the ground and mm -hmm. then closer and closer. And it covered that 35 yards in about five or six steps. And it, and then it gets on all fours, puts his nose inside that crack at my door and goes and sniffs that door. No, oh, it would have smelled something, but it wouldn't have been pleasant for him. And, and I'm, and the, the thing I thought was, Oh my God, what does this want? Do I pull the trigger? Cause I know where, I know where its head is. Do I pull the trigger? Do I kill it here? Mm -hmm. But my, but the question in the back of my mind was, is this is the only one here? Is there another one? Exactly. You know, and if I, and if I pull the trigger on this one, if I don't kill him right out, he could have a minute or two to do whatever he wants to, to me, mm -hmm. you know, and trapped in this box stand. And my son, and, and he's three miles out here. He's 12 years old. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm worried about him. If I'd been alone, I might would have pulled the trigger, but I'm not alone. It's more than me. I'm just thinking about. And so I said, well, I'm not going to pull the trigger unless it touches that door. If it comes through that door, reaches in after me, I'm going I'm to have to empty my weapon. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And uh, so I, I and I, then I realized I sent kill everything on me. You know, I, when I, you know, that morning I took a shower with scent kill. I, I sprayed scent kill on her towel, wiped my entire body with scent kill, sprayed all the inside of my clothes with scent kill, each layer. And then my entire outer shell was scent kill. So it didn't, it couldn't smell me. Mm -hmm. And I had, I had some chewing back in my mouth, so I spit the door, and it, and it smelt the chewing back. It recognized me as human and backed up, and then it turned and went away. And uh, and that was the encounter that I was ready. I was willing to say that there's a phenomenon in the woods that would make you think there's a Bigfoot after you. Yeah. That was as far as I could go to that time, and that's that's when I really started armchairing the subject. Mm-hmm. I didn't start actually studying the subject until uh, we spent eight years trying to debunk this subject, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, and and we had a third encounter. She stepped into firelight, and and was like, "What's up?" And and I'm looking at it. The person I'm dating is looking at it. My son's looking at it. There's two dogs going eight nuts over it. Mm -hmm. And she's standing there, full frontal, in the firelight, looking at us. And I said, okay, these are real. Yeah. That's, when I, that's when I could accept the belief that this is a real being. It's really there. It knocks. It, it goes through the woods. It has great eyesight. Okay, you know, now the, the study's going to start. Right. So you, you then moved on to research. Um, <clears throat> so what... I have a, a few questions. Um, do you think, okay, Alan Lasseter would like to know, do you think that they cover their tracks? Being a tracker, you know, a third generation tracker, do you think that they cover their tracks? Um, being a tracker, I've gone into areas and they're completely relaxed in it because they pattern man. Okay, mm -hmm. you are patterns. You are, there is a shared area. You have your home site that you drive from and go into the woods. And the woods is a shared area. They have their home site back on behind the water barrier, behind an area that people don't walk to, and that's where they're at. And they, you know, and when when you're not in there, they're in the woods, or 
you know, if you're, if they're in the woods and you come in, they'll just, you know, they see you a lot, a lot sooner than you see them. They just back off and get out of the way. Mm -hmm. So you really need to think of the woods as a shared area. It's both Absolutely. of those. I agree. And so I've gone into areas of shared area and find their tracks completely relaxed, just stomping through the mud. They mm -hmm. They're not trying to hide anything because we're not supposed to be there. Okay, it's the wrong time of year for, for anybody to be there. But since I'm investigating them, I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. Right. And so I walked in and I found these muddy tracks going and they're just plodding down the, this dim road. And then and then I, I'm guessing something disturbed that and they started stepping on the side of trees. Mm -hmm. they, they would take their foot and step on the side of a tree and they would do that for 150 yards down the side of trees because you could find the muddy the muddy smudge off the bottom of their feet yeah. and the scuff and the bark and they're trying mm -hmm. to hide their trying to hide their tracks they'll do it for 150 yards and then then they'll jump down into some more solid as solid grounds they can find and take off yeah. you know so they do hide their tracks yes okay so i agree with that i actually had somebody um somebody another tracker that has uh I've gone out in the field with him before and he kind of trained me on that as well. What to look for off the beaten path. Um, <clears throat> goodness. So do you think that they conceal their droppings or the remains of their meals? And that comes from filmer of Bobcats. I'm not sure how much concealment they, they do. I, that's not an activity I've actually witnessed them in. I did find one large piece of scat that I attribute to a young one that I know up there and it was rather large and I didn't take a sample. Okay. Okay. Um, I left it alone. <laughs> um, okay. I can understand. Um, okay. Did your son see the one to that you went out when you two were out there? Did your son see anything or hear anything? Uh, he was quarter mile away. He didn't know anything about it until he actually at camp that night, you know, because I didn't go back that evening hunt. And so he's just piddling around and he looks me dead in the eye and he says, hey, dad, Sasquatch is going to get you tonight. Uh, did he know and anything or was he just being no, a little? I didn't tell. I didn't. Wasn't, I wasn't going to tell him. But when he said that, I said, why would you say it? He said, because it's fun. It's scary. You know, we can tell scary stories around the fire. I said, you want a scary story? I said, once upon a time this morning, and I went through the entire scenario that happened, and his eyes are big, and he's like, there's no way that happened. I said, that's exactly what I said. Yeah. And But now that son did two summers ago. He was tracking with me, and we tracked up behind little Sam. They're actually tracking Sasha, but little mm -hmm. Sam was a quarter mile away from me, and, he, and little Sam starts doing that long drawing yell mm -hmm. 13 13 second long yell he did it twice and my son at that time said there's no way that's happening there's no way i'm like you hear that right you see the 16 inch tracks were following there's yeah. a, there's this 10 inch track here with it and we're being yelled at by ah, you know what do you think's out that's not a turkey you know, and it goes back to something I was trying to say a while back is I can show a deer track and ask someone what's in this area. And they say a deer and I can show a hog track and that per another person say there's a hog there. I can show a Sasquatch track and, and all their all their physical sign. And, the, and, and someone's will say, well, no, that can't happen. Yeah. Every time. Every time. <laughs> OK. Um, 
I have two big questions for you. They're two standard questions, really. Um, what do you think they are? And if they're real, why haven't we found a body? Um, I believe they are a primitive, primitive survival being, a purist mm -hmm. survival being that rejects technology. They, it's just not that they don't like it. I mean, I think they absolutely hate technology. I think the natural world is what they love. Okay. And, and, and that's what I believe they are. Um, as far as how come we can't find a body? You got me. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I have theory on it. You know, yeah. uh, my first theories out there that they consume their dead, but I don't know. I mean, if I ever find a one of their graveyards, I'm a robot. Yeah, no kidding. Um, so you think they consume their dead? Do I? Yes, yeah. I think they do. Okay. I don't think I don't think a primitive being like that would let a body go to waste. I don't think so either. And I think, you know, people ask me why I think they're so intelligent and such sentient beings. And I said, you know, they're smart enough to stay away from man um, for the most part. You know, they're very mm -hmm. elusive and they stay away from man and they go to great, great lengths to stay away from man and not be discovered. So I think that doing that is not outside the realm of, you know, possibility at all. Well, <clears throat> they study, they study you. They study all of us. They know our weaknesses and our strengths and they use that against us. Mm -hmm. That's, I turn around and I, I, I understand, you know, I did a lot of behavioral study with them and I understand their strengths and weaknesses. And I use, I use that against them in the same way. And that's how I've had, that's how I've tracked 24 different individuals of their species and had mm -hmm. 33 encounters and eight face-to-faces because I know what pushes their buttons. Right. That's, man, that's intense. That's so intense just because I can't even imagine being sane after the first encounter, you know, that, that very first encounter was, that's just so much more than most people even get, you know, but when the, hunter becomes the hunted but then turns back into the hunter um you know i can see something like that happening so okay hold well, on go ahead you, you have to be you know it's it's not like we're hunting an, an enigma okay mm -hmm. this is a being okay if I, if i wanted to hunt an animal i, I want to know where its habitat is how close i can get to it how great is its eyesight? How great is, is its sense of smell? You know, where can I track it at? What does it eat? How does it use the land? So when you start systematically answering all those questions, you'll, you'll start being in the areas that they're in and having those encounters. Mm -hmm. It's just going to happen. It's just, it just depends on whether you're going to see them, uh, you know, face to face or it's going to, they're going to be a blur behind the brush. And you. So, have you ever had any um, any other kind of like rock throwing or trees pushed down, all of that stuff, like aggressive displays? Yeah, I, I had a, a tree a tree limb ripped off a tree and thrown at me. I've had rocks thrown at me, and uh, I've uh, I was doing a preliminary scout for an expedition in Central Louisiana, 
and I picked a spot where one should be at. We go in. We don't find any tracks on the way in, but on the way out trail, it crossed our back trail, 17-inch tracks. And as I'm down on one knee reading these tracks, it starts throwing. I start having little ch chunks of brown wood hit right in front of me. Mm -hmm. And it's hitting. And I realize this isn't falling from a tree. These are these little brown stumps that dot the landscape. And, and whatever's, whatever made these tracks is uphill from me, pulling little pieces of tree off of a stump and throwing it at me, letting me know, hey, I'm watching you. Yeah. I've actually had other people um, share that same experience mm -hmm. to where they've just had little things just consistently thrown at them. And it's, mm -hmm. it's almost definitely to let you know, hey, I'm here, but also just kind of just to mess with them, you know, just. Um, I consider just, it passive aggressive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just to keep you off guard, keep you off center um, is kind of the vibe I got from the other encounters I heard. Um, okay, so we have a filmer of Bobcats wanted to know, do you think they groom each other like humans and other primates do? I haven't witnessed it, but you can't rule it out, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, well, you said Lady Squatch had just, you know, really pretty hair. So was and also there was another question. Um, was her hair straight or was it wavy? It was straight. Okay. It was straight. Um, and, and what I talk about are, are things that I've witnessed, debunked, and wrapped my head around is this being a concrete piece of evidence. Uh, if I actually go into theory, that's when I'll say, okay, this is theory. So the, just for everybody in the chat is watching this. Um, okay. All right. I think we're caught up on questions from them. Um, so you've had a lot of experiences. I was going to ask what the best evidence was that you had seen to date, but you've had actual sightings. And I feel like, I mean, you can still answer that question if you want, but they're kind of moot point compared to the sightings that you've had. Uh, there's one. My tracking partner and I are in South Arkansas and we track one down and we're watching it 115 yards out in the starlight in a field with its glowing red eyes. Mm -hmm. And the camera, there's, we have a camera, we're on expedition and the camera is behind us, shining past us with the eye shine out there twinkling, watching. That's probably one of the best evidence of that. And uh, in, in North Louisiana, there's a... Uh, there's a spectrum waveform of a roar and then three knocks and then six knocks and another three knocks. Okay. But you, but you can hear the roar, pow, pow, yeah. pow, you know, and it goes into a knock sequence. And that was pretty good. Man, this is all making me very anxious. <laughs> like, the amount of stuff that you've had happen, I'm just like, ah, it's freaking me out. Okay. Um, Whew. So uh, Larry M wants to know where are their homes, if not in the woods? Um, so to follow up on that, I'm not sure what, you know, if he's asking, you know, do you think that they have alternative forms of homes underground or? Well, what's he asking is that I said you have shared areas that are, that are the woods. Okay. Right. <clears throat> okay. You have your home that's in, that's in a city or in a rural area and you go out to a national forest. Mm -hmm. The majority of that national forest is a shared area, but they do have a home site that's picked out that men don't go to. Okay. If, 
you know, a lot of people say a mile in, there's a water barrier and there's elevation behind it. People don't mm-hmm. wear people don't wear waders a mile in to go to go wade, you know, a thirty foot bayou or, or or backwater to get to another spot just to go up in elevation. People just don't do that. And and you know, if if it is, it's very rare. So places like that is where they'll set up shop at, and and they'll do it in elevation so they can see you coming. You know, and it's 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 areas that are void of man. Now from that water barrier, when they cross that water barrier, they know they're in a shared area. And the further they go up towards any road or any man's made entrance into the woods that they have a potential to meet you. And that's mm-hmm. why they study you. They know your weaknesses. And when they move through the woods, they do it in a certain way. They'll move elevation to elevation and they'll scope everything out. Right. And they'll move from that elevation to another elevation. They've already scoped out. And when they get to it, they'll scope the rest of it out. And if they see you or hear you or smell you or hear your car coming on that rock road, they'll get back out of the way. Right. Yeah. Um, so wh- how do you feel about game cams? Game cams are great for deer. Yeah. Um, the, the, the downfall with, with them, and I actually, and I, I tried to be objective about this, but I mean, I can see that it's an eyeball and it's looking in my game cam. Mm-hmm. Okay. But I try to be objective and just put something strange in my game cam, but yeah. you, you will never hide a piece of technology out there, there that they won't find. <clears throat> I don't care what it is. And I have a working theory that they can sense EMF. I haven't confirmed it, mm-hmm. but I have a working theory that they can sense electromagnetic fields. Right. And and no matter what you put out there now, I think you might be able to camouflage it. Now, you know, if you had, say, a bike that, you know, had some kind of electronics on it, that that was normal. And you could hide something in that bike right. that, you know, that they walk by all the time. You put a bike out there that has a, something has a battery in it and they walk by it all the time and it, and they get used to it and desensitized to it. And if you take something else electronic put in there, I don't think they'd notice that much. Right. So that that is something I thought about employing or taking a bird box and, and taking building a bird box with a. Uh, I can't think of the name of it, but it's basically color, uh, copper wire mesh all inside of it. And it keeps the MF from coming out. Right. And just sticking in the ground with a camera with all that insulation, MF insulation, you know, and perhaps they wouldn't find it that way. Maybe. Yeah. <clears throat> It's definitely something worth trying. Um, yeah, I have to agree with you. You know, I try to tell people, you know, they set up these game cams or just, um, you know, if somebody is having activity around their house and they don't want activity, mm-hmm. I always tell them first thing, put up a lot of lights, motion mm-hmm. detector lights. I said, but second, put up cameras. Mm-hmm. They don't like them. They won't come around most of the yeah. time. And if they do, you'll get closure. You'll know what it is. But I always tell people, you know, if I put a game cam, if I walk into your living room and put a game cam on your coffee table or beside your TV, you're going to notice, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, same thing with Bigfoot. Like that's their living room. And you walked in and you put a game cam, cam around a tree or you cut down limbs to put your game cam yeah. up. I mean, it's just, I've, it's, I, to me, it's fairly yeah. obvious to them. I've tracked them avoiding game cameras. Okay. Down on the river, there's a, there's a guy that has a beta field and a game camera 
and I've tracked them up and then they went around about 80 yards outside of the realm of that game camera and stayed out of there. You know, so they know it's there. Yeah. <clears throat> I completely agree. Um, I, I think that, I mean, they've studied technology for as long as it's been around, you know, over the years and they know what it sounds like what it smells like because technology does give off a smell. Electronics give off a smell. Um, plastic gives off a smell, not to mention the rest of, you know, the electronics inside of it. And I just, I truly believe that they can sense them. And I've had a lot of pushback on that. So much pushback, you know, they're just animals. They don't know that it's there. And I'm like, that's, that's not true. If they were just animals, they would not be as successfully elusive as they are. You can't debunk evidence. The evidence suggests that they stay away from game cameras. Mm -hmm. There's a, there's a reason for that. You know, there's, it's just like anytime you're investigating, if you witness one do something, there's a reason it did it. Right. If you're in there and nothing happens, there's also a reason for that. You have to find the reason of both of those in order to find the truth. Right. No, I agree completely. Um, Okay, a couple questions. Alan Lassiter would like to know, do you think they travel in packs? Um, they have clans and they have families. Um, mm -hmm. I've tracked families and I've tracked clans. And I have also tracked one alone. Okay. And uh, so, you know, one will go alone into a new area. And after a while, another shows up. And if it's the right chemistry, I guess they will have a family. Okay. <laughs> We're not going to get into Bigfoot erotica, you guys. We're not doing it tonight. Um, <laughs> that's, the, that's the members only <clears throat> show. Um, so Kelly Carnes actually has a great question, and I'm eager to know what you think about this as well. Why is it that coyotes always seem to be around the Bigfoot? Um, do you think they're followers, scavengers, pets? Um, well, when you have a good and you have a good population of predators like coyotes, that means there's a good uh, population of game. And Sasquatch set themselves up for success when it mm -hmm. comes to game. So you'll find them. I found them in the same area myself. I've even heard three of them mimic a canine. Mm -hmm. You know, I had, I had one in central Louisiana, and it was a real raspy, raspy, rah, rah, rah. It's obvious it's a Bigfoot. You know, it, out of fact, it turned around and come back up there and yelled at all three of us, <laughs> you know, and then in central and central since uh, in, in uh, southern Arkansas, the one that we saw in the field was just mimicking a coy wolf. He was up there on the hill. And then within five minutes, he's in the middle of the field out there walking around. We're watching. Him. Mm -hmm. And then uh, at a primitive encampment and, and we haven't we haven't even touched that side of things. Yeah. I heard one come up. We had a dog in camp and one come up and he said, he, he sounded like a terrier at first. And I know the area, there's no one, there's no terriers back there. He said, he, you know, he sounds like a, wah, 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 wah. and I knew I'm like, well, that sounds strange. Then he goes, woo, woo. And then he goes, whoa. And he's just down the hill about 40 yards outside of camp doing this. Whoa. Trying to trigger <laughs> the dog. 
that's in camp and the dog knows it's not a dog. So he's not even barking at it. Yeah. You know, so that's three, that's, that's, that's three that I've heard them mimic a coy wolf, a coyote and try to set a dog off. I don't, I don't know that I've heard them mimic a dog. I've heard them mimic coyotes a lot. Um, the in Falk, especially every single time I'm there. And I know there's a red wolf, I think that runs around Falk or they're trying to prove runs around Falk, but in the Falk area, especially every time I'm there. And the last time I was there, it did it all night long. And I did not have my recorder with me. I fail as a researcher. I turn in my researcher card. Okay. I'm a failure all night. I laid there listening and it's like the coyotes would start up. And then there was something that would start up immediately right after the first coyote or vice versa. That thing would go off. And then the coyotes would start up immediately, like almost at the same time, but just a step behind. Yeah. And I have heard that Oklahoma, Texas, Arkansas. I have heard that all, I mean, so many times out in the field, but especially in Falk, this, whatever it was, it is so loud. It is not a coyote. There's no way. It maybe could be a wolf running around with the coyotes or, or something, but Did it's you not ever, a coyote. you ever thought about turning the light on and walking out to it and tracking it? Well, no, because in, um, you know, this is when I'm at Smith Park and it's like across the lake oh. or, you know, I'm, you know, down uh, Drew Palmer Road and it's, you know, over here. It's always far enough away that I can't, there's no way I could get to it. Behind you know? a water barrier or something. Always. And yeah. it's um, because it carries, you know, but every time and it's just, I, I truly believe that Bigfoot and coyotes have a symbiotic relationship. I do. Um, I don't know if they're announcing it's dinner time or, you know, on, on that note, there have been a lot of pictures of coyotes that have been found just with their heads twisted backwards and just left there. Mm -hmm. And I'm always thinking to myself, like, did it try to go for the food before the Bigfoot could? And, you know, the owner had to put its pet down. Like, I don't know why that would be. Um, and these were not carcasses that had been already been scavenged and the head was twisted. These were fresh carcasses yeah, with um, the head twisted. Well, in terms of survival, competition is enemy. Mm -hmm. If you got something that's going to try to eat your food, you kill it first. Right. And, and with which, if it was me, I'd eat the coat and then go eat the deer. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. <laughs> See, that's the problem with me. Um, I, I don't know if I could be like a Bigfoot and just eat and run. Like I'm more of a hoarder, per, not a hoarder. Um, I'm definitely a hunter gatherer. Like I would want stock for, you know, mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm not a eat on the run. I, yeah, the world ends. I'm going to be carrying around my 75 pounds of rice and beans. <laughs> it's going to be rough. Um, okay. So boots on the ground with Barb. Great question. Do you think that crows alert them or do you think it's just the crow's nature to announce your presence or anybody's presence coming through the woods? The only association I've had with crow is I had one kill a crow and leave it for me. Okay. And it did it twice in two camps and it was letting me, it was warning me to stay out of an area. That's the only, the only, uh, dealings I had with a crow and Bigfoot. Okay. okay. I've actually had other encounters mm -hmm. like that. Um, crow or crow feathers. Mm -hmm. um, I think birds announce all predators and they're annoying while you're researching, especially. 
just want to throw that out there. Um, mm. The tree knocks. What do you think the tree knocks mean? I know what they mean. I researched them for years. Uh, a single knock is, hey, I'm here. Now, this is in the general areas that I research. There is one area in southeast Mississippi that this doesn't work in. And I don't know why. But Louisiana, Texas, Arkansas, Oklahoma, I found these work. This is this is the rule. One knock is I hey, I'm here. You know, but that, that gets complex. Mm -hmm. Okay. If it's if it's a hey, I'm here, it's a, if it's a single knock and it comes in and it gets subtle as it's coming into you, it's it's a respectful conversation to you. And it's saying, Hey, I'm here. I'm you know. I'm here. I'm available. I'm here. If it, if it comes in at 40 yards and does a loud single knock, it's saying, Hey, I'm here. Your presence is not required. Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's, you know, single knock and it gets a little more complicated than that, but I wouldn't make it any more complicated than that. That's really, <laughs> that's really what you need to know. If you're at 40 yards and one comes in and goes, whack, get out of the area. It don't want you there. Okay. Uh, two knock, two knocks is, hey, I'm here, and so should you be. That's okay, how, that's how it I've translates. Had a lot of those. That's I've had a lot of those. A lot of two yeah. knocks, just a bam, bam when you walk in, and a bam, bam when you walk out. Yeah, that's a that's a hey, I'm here, and so should you be. Okay. And uh, a three knock is danger warning, get out of this area now. That's a three okay. knock, and that is <laughs> that is uh. You know, and, and now that's in the areas I've been in. That that cannot be a blanket statement. I haven't been and I haven't been in North Oklahoma. I haven't been I haven't done this in Colorado or Wyoming. You know, there there could be clans out there like in southeast uh Mississippi that have, have no idea what knocks are. Right. They they'd rather yell at you. I have audio recordings of them going woo, you know, mm -hmm. or screaming at or screaming at me. You know, they'd rather scream and yell than do a knock. Yeah. So, but the general rule of thumb is one is I'm here, two is an invitation, and three is a warning. That's a general rule of thumb. Okay. All right. That's good to know. And, you know, I can definitely verify the two knock rule at least. Um, I've just had it happen too much. You know, I ascribe to the <laughs> sentinel theory that two knocks are, you know, they're alerting the others that there's someone here. Yeah. They're here. Yeah. And then another two knocks when you're leaving. They're gone. Yeah, they, they may not be talking to you. They may be talking to someone else. That's what I believe. Yeah. 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 Because I went in and did a single knock and got a two knock from one that he thought he thought he knew he was talking to. He did a two knock and then he come in and there I am. There's a single knock and leave. You know? So yeah. it's kind of, you know, so he assumed he knew he was talking to. Yeah. <laughs> you sneaky thing, you. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh my gosh. Okay. So when you're researching, what's some equipment that you just can't go without? Uh, my knife. Okay. I carry my knife and I carry my cell phone. And a lot of times I have, I have a, a tracker on my phone that I send to a friend of mine that mm -hmm. is GPS tracking me wherever I'm at. So mm -hmm. that, you know, at least someone could find my body. Or, or, if they find, or if they find my phone, they might find Sasquatch. Who knows? You know. Yeah. Either way, you know, they'll yeah. uh, be like Jurassic Park. They'll find it in a big pile of poop. 
<laughs> Thanks for that image. <laughs> Still ringing the Nokia ringtone. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. With a finger uh, bone up there. You know, yeah. I always tell people like if, if you find my body in the woods and it's a Sasquatch kill and you find any piece of me, look for DNA because I'm going to go out getting some DNA. Um, so, okay. So we had a question back here and I just wanted to touch on it really quick because it was relevant to you. It was about um, the area. Oh my goodness, hold on. It was about the area. Have you ever encountered a Bigfoot in northern Louisiana? And if so, what parish? Um, in or was it in central Louisiana? And you don't have to answer that if you don't want to give away your research area. But have you um, ever encountered a Bigfoot in northern Louisiana? I've encountered. I've encountered nine Sasquatch, 10, 11, 12 Sasquatch uh, in, in North Louisiana. Okay. Um, tracked them, actually, would be more accurately. Uh, some of them I encountered, some of them I tracked, but I tracked every one of them. Um, I don't give locations away for simple fact that I'm not putting their lives in jeopardy. Right. Man man has a, has a thirst for destruction you know and Number i'm not one reason that bigfoot hasn't come out and been like hey guys what's up yeah and and i've had the i've started last year having vehicles follow me so i'm very careful about that yeah, i think that's really smart actually because you know we uh, man tends to destroy everything that they come into contact with just like you said um all right let me make sure we don't have any more questions hi bama welcome to the chat good to see you if you have a question put it in chat chap caps um okay so you said your knife is equipment you can't go out uh without is there any other equipment that you prefer like actual um like night vision thermal um audio equipment like what's the one thing besides your you know, knife that you just can't go without when you research? Um, well, it's good to have a recorder. I think mm -hmm. everybody should have at least a recorder. You know, yeah. as a team, a recorder and a thermal is good. But if to really have uh, great encounters, you can't have anything in your hands. You know, you, right. you, can't, you can't be reeking of technology. You know, uh, <laughs> I, I've done better going in without technology and gaining knowledge of what it's going to take to solve the equation rather than going in with technology and never getting an idea of, yes. of, of, of even what questions to ask. Yes. less to be have answered. I agree completely. Um, I'm kind of the same way. I always have, you know, an audio recorder or something like that on my person or at camp or whatever. But um, as for other tech, I just... I think they're just too smart for that. And I feel like whenever I walk into the woods with tech, I'm not going to have near as much activity. Mm -hmm. I'm just not. Um, so Kelly Carnes said that she has seen them in one area and he left miles away to another area. Do you think that they follow you when you do that? Um, mine has a winter home and a summer home. There's about four miles between each one. So they will stay in one area for a while and then they'll be in a, three or four miles down the road in another area 
just because mm -hmm. of the change of seasons and what's available food sources. Okay. All right. <clears throat> um, and so you track in Louisiana. Are there other states that you track in? I've, I've tracked in Mississippi, uh, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, uh, Arkansas, and uh, some of it is personal. Some of it is someone called me up and said, hey, I have something going on. I need you to track this out and see what's up. Okay. So. Okay. Um, I just, I mean, have you found that, have you had interactions in all those states? Yes. Okay. And have you found that they're different to track or different um, behaviors in those states? Um, some clans are more aggressive. You know, they have a whole lot more confidence the more there are in that area. You know, the one I tracked that was by himself acted timid, uh, less aggressive. Mm -hmm. Um um, the ones where there's eight of them in Mississippi and they're, and I, you know, they come in and start screaming and yelling. They're not scared. They're not worried because they know their numbers and their strengths in the numbers. So they're a little more attitude-ish, you know, right. attitude-ish, but, <laughs> but, uh, and, and of course their, their demeanors can be different than what I'm in my area. Right. Um, and they use the topography changes. And so they use the topography differently. And of course, the substrate in each of the soil in each area changes. And so you got to look for neck down spots in different areas and how they use the terrain differently in different states. Mm -hmm. So that's the truth. Um, like you said, they go from, you know, elevation to elevation and mm -hmm. different places have different variations of that. Mm -hmm. um, have you ever found anything like a bedding area or nests? Uh, one time uh, on a trip to Mississippi, and this was actually pure accident. Person picked a place and I was going to go down and teach primitive, uh, primitive living skills and we're going to put it on video. Okay. Well, he picked a place and, we, I, and I get there first and there's an X and 10 feet behind the X, there's round five and a half foot round padded down leafy and there's leaves and pine straw mat that's 18 inches high and it's, it, it's just like a bed and i'm like you know i actually chew this person out how could you pick this area for us to camp in for for four days doing primitive living skills when there's this is here and see and he's like i'm not worried i said okay so we stayed there and uh and that being actually came in uh, that Friday night, came in and reached under my uh, diamond fly bed, uh, my shelter and flipped my bedroll over and then went back oh, out. No, I was fixing to go to bed. I was fixing oh. to go to bed. I was at the fire gathering my, you know, what I had up to go get my bedroll. I just went down, straightened my bedroll out. Mm -hmm. I go back up the fire and I have a pistol with me and a knife and uh, a coffee cup. And I hear something coming up and it reach, I look, it reaches under my, under the back part of my tarp. That's, you know, that half the ground it reaches up, takes my bedroll and flips it. And then withdraws his arm and runs around the, the, the foothill of the foot of this hill and crosses the ridge, goes down in a little 
dip and back up on top of another ridge line and i'm yelling at it get out of here and it turns around and goes Wah! and uh that was a bad night um I, I was up to four in the morning yelling and talking to this thing and you know i was the only one up yeah and, uh so finally four in the morning i lay down i go to sleep i get up and it's you know that person's like well i think we need to leave i'm like cool you know i'm out of there yeah. I'd, I'd have to say that'd be my uh that'd be my limit my hard limit well, um it, it didn't mean any harm it's just that we're sleeping in its living room yeah yeah you know yeah so so you're lucky I didn't draw anything on your face with Sharpie or, you know, play any other pranks on you. Put your hand in warm water, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> funny. Um, okay. So we've got a few minutes left, about 10 minutes left. Are there any other encounters that you wanted to share with us? Uh, <laughs> or, or I, I can ask another question. I have another I question got, as well. Uh, I got I got to take a break again. I'll be right back. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> okay. While he is taking a break, I'm going to go ahead. Um, there was a question from the chat asking if he was going to be at the Falk campout. So um, I'll ask him when he gets back. However, I wanted to go ahead and plug the Falk campout. That is March 5th through the 7th in um, Falk, Arkansas. So it's actually Alex Smith Park which is um, in Doddridge, Arkansas, but it's right next to Falk. It's um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and it's um, in Smith Park. It's primitive camping. So bring your own gear, bring your own food, all of that. It's a great time. This is the second annual uh, Falk Monster Campout, but we also had the Halloween Campout over Halloween weekend. It was really great. Um, good people show up every night. We have a big bonfire. And on Saturday night, we'll have storytelling around the fire. You're welcome to join, of course. Um, there will be vendors set up for you to buy, you know, T-shirts and collectibles. Um, I believe Billy Bigfoot's going to be there. She Squatch will be there. Of course, Keith Crabtree, the Falk Monster, will be there. I'll be there. Um, the whole night callers, you know, me and my mom will be there. And um, it's, it's really a good time. You guys come. It's free. Uh, donations are welcome, of course. And so from now on, just FYI, the Falk Monster Campout will be in honor of Tanya Knight um, every single time. So donations will eventually be made into um, a fund honoring her. So uh, we've had some amazing questions tonight and I am so thankful for you guys for being on here and asking questions, being live in the chat. I appreciate your support. I appreciate you listening. Uh, more than anything, I appreciate you being respectful of my guests always and um, having, you know, that respectful questions and everything like that. So thank you guys for all of that. And um, the Fout Camp Out event, there's more info on it on Facebook. And you can go to the Night Colors page and check that out and look at all the info or just message me and I can um, I can give you more info on it. Pat, uh, they wanted to know, are you going to be at the Fout Camp Out? Are you doing that quiet thing again or are you muted? <laughs> he was messing with me before the show, acting like I couldn't hear him. Okay. I plan on it. <laughs> all right, good. I'm really glad that you're going to be there. Um, 
So you guys, you know, if you come to the Fout Camp Out, you can meet Patrick in person and y'all can grill him with your questions that y'all all have. Um, okay, one last question uh, from Bigfoot Society podcast, an affiliate of Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. What is the most scared you've been in a Bigfoot expedition? An expedition or encounter? An expedition. Expedition. I think your encounters are terrifying. <laughs> um, on expedition, most terrified. Okay, we're in Mississippi, and I just tracked seven individuals down there. Okay, and one of them is a juvenile. She's across the creek and she's screaming. You know, and and then we left that area, went to another area. I tracked two there. We get back to camp and we're camped in this pop-up camper in this park. Well, two people there decide they're going to go to, to the showers, hit the showers. And I'm going to sit at camp till they get back. But I hear this knock come in across this small lake on top of a hill. Knock. And then at the head of that lake, and it's just maybe, it's maybe a 15-acre lake knock and it's coming around this lake and 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 the two with me are like ah, it's your imagination but i you know i see you don't hear these knocks well they're just trying to just you know squash it you know well it comes all the way around the lake knocking and so i get in the pop-up and i'm standing in the pop-up with a weapon drawn and if it comes up there you know and does anything i'm gonna have to do something mm-hmm. well then they come back uh you know, they get in there, you know, I run up the hill, take a shower, come back and lay down. Well, the next morning we find tracks just outside of our pop-up camper right there in the sand. It had come up there. We had, we had been in there tracking it and it tracked us back to our camp was watching us then. And it was just in a circle to our camper. And that night I just, you know, I did not feel safe in a pop-up camper. No, I, I, Yeah. You know, anytime I sleep in a tent, you know, if you if you start feeling kind of hinky and you go ahead and go get in your bed and it's a piece of nylon between you and certain death, but it just makes you feel so much better. It really does. <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Well, at least they can't just reach in and just grab your bedroll without letting you know, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That I mean, that's true. At least they can't flip it over and play yeah. pranks on you and stuff. But Pat, you have been a great guest. Thank you so much for coming on tonight. I am so thankful um, to for you to come on my show, and I'm honored to have you. A great experiences and really insightful, um, really insightful. I can't even think of the word I'm trying to say, but just the 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 way you've brought about your experiences and just you know with all of your primitive living skills um experience that you've had in bushcrafting and all of that you're tracking and then applying that to bigfoot and relaying those experiences i have just i've really enjoyed this show i think everybody else has as well so thank you so much for coming on no problem it's my pleasure all right thank you so much and i am going to let you go and you guys i have something for y'all if y'all hold on all right thank you pat okay so that was a great show with pat um, Patrick Vaughn, he's, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a font of knowledge, but he's also just so personable and humble and real. So I really enjoyed that show. You guys, that was an amazing guest. Um, really quick. I want to show you guys, um, 
So I recently launched the affiliates of Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. And so what that is, is um, you can uh, support me at Nightcaller's Bigfoot Radio. And in turn, I will promote your show on all my platforms to help you, um, help me, help you, help you, help me, you know, all of that. So I wanted to kind of go over some of my affiliates who have joined. And so we have... Um, night callers of course you know like I'm, I'm doing big things and i want you to join me we have bigfoot society podcast with jeremiah byron he has great guests on you have to go check him out and bipolar teddy bear network i was actually on their show and bigfoot society podcast we have bigfoot crossroads weird realities podcast um and weird realities inc we have beaver hook productions and that's with Logan Craft. So, and Weird Realities Inc. is a new one coming out. You have Bigfoot Club. I need to time these better, you guys. I'm going kind of fast. Uh, Bigfoot Club with uh, Bob Dominguez. So, you guys, go check them out. Um, you can check out nightcallersproductions.com on more info on how to become an affiliate. And if you are interested in becoming a member versus an affil affiliate, you can go to buymeacoffee.com backslash night callers. So that is all I have for tonight. You guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Like I said, next week is Jamie King and he'll be on a zoom chat. And so what that will be is for my members only. And so if you sign up to be a member, you get to join in a zoom chat with Jamie King and you'll get to chat with him and the other members face to face, ask questions. Um, it won't really, it, it'll be me interviewing him, but more all of us just talking to the guests. So guys, definitely join in. <laughs> and um, I appreciate you guys so much. I appreciate your support and everything. So thank you. That's all I have. Be safe, be kind, and have a great week, everyone.